The Yucca Valley Plugged In Podcast brings you up to date on the town of Yucca Valley's current issues, projects, and events. Your local government wants you to be informed about the progress we are making as a community, and we invite you to be involved. Visit the town website at www.yucca-valley.org to register your questions, comments, and suggestions. Produced and presented by Town Hall, the bi-weekly podcast provides a snapshot of the top issues of the day. Get plugged in with Mayor Jim Schooler to stay up to date on all things Yucca Valley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Yucca Valley Plugged In, where we give you a quick update about what's happening at Town Hall with the other town commissions, the status of important community projects, and other topics of interest to our residents and visitors. I am Jim Schooler, member of the Yucca Valley Town Council and currently mayor of Yucca Valley. We will be talking to our special guest, Jerry Noonan, in a little bit, but first we have a few updates for you. We can start with a review of what the Town Council has been up to and what's coming up in the next couple of meetings. Recently, the Town Council approved a special memorial in memory of Sergeant Dominic Vaca, who was killed last year on Memorial Day in the line of duty. The monument will be placed at Remembrance Park in Yucca Valley. The Council also approved a special memorial flag that was flown at half-mast on Memorial Day in Yucca Valley. The Council also recently approved Measure Y partnership funding for several agencies and organizations in the community. Those receiving funding this year are the Yucca Valley Airport District, the California Welcome Center, the Boys and Girls Club, Morongo Basin Tennis Association, the Center for Healthy Generations, and the Yucca Valley Senior Club. Council also approved the 2022-24 budget. This is a two-year budget that outlines the town's spending plan over the next couple of years. Several things coming to the town council in the month of June include a report and recap of the elk fire incident that happened on the south side of town in the National Park. We will also get an update from Southern California Edison on their community projects regarding fire protection. And we look forward to the end-of-year report from the Town's Youth Commission. There will also be Town Council discussion and direction regarding potential modifications to the Town's native plant regulations due to pending decisions from the California Fish and Wildlife Commission. And on June 21st, and this is a meeting you might not want to miss, we will have our first formal look at the schematic design for the Prop 68-funded Aquatics and Recreation Facility. This is a super exciting community project, and we are really looking forward to this presentation and update. A quick note about the Planning Commission. The Commission expects the Town Council to provide direction to review and consider changes to the Town's existing native plant regulations with respect to the Western Joshua Tree. The California Fish and Wildlife Commission is expected to rule on the Department's recommendation not to list the Joshua Tree as endangered. As a reminder, the Fish and Wildlife Commission has postponed this decision and is expected to take action on the Western Joshua Tree recommendation at their meeting on June 15th in Los Angeles. The Parks, Recreation, and Cultural Commission will meet on June 14th to discuss, among other things, the town's public arts policy, the town's public art program for fiscal year 2022-24, and to receive an update on the town's Prop 68 Aquatics and Recreation Center project. Let's give a quick update on the town's public work projects. The update to the Senior Center Kitchen is in the final stages, and that project should be completed later this month. The North Park project, including parking, restroom, and trailhead, is also underway. 
As mentioned before, the Prop 68 Aquatics and Recreation Facility is in design development and progress is being made on that. The new sidewalk projects, one at Yucca Valley High School on Onaga Trail and the other at Little League Drive, the bid process is underway on both of those projects. We expect to see a concept layout soon for the Town Services Consolidation Project. That project will utilize the former library space and bring Town Services closer to a one-stop shop near Town Hall. And planners are putting together a phased approach to address the Old Town Area Parking, Restroom, and Community Square project. Summer's here, so let's see what the Recreation Department has to offer. The town's summer aquatics activities are ramping up this month with swim class registration currently open, with everything from Mommy and Me swim to advanced swim classes and open swim. There is something for everyone. New this year is the opportunity to take private lessons in an individual or small class setting. Visit the town's website for a list of classes and registration opportunities. As a reminder, you should have received a copy of the town's Spring and Summer Recreation Guide in your mailbox. This is a publication the town sends out twice a year that lists our activities, our programs, and events. In it, you'll find information about the town's swim programs, the summer concert series, enrichment classes, special events, and more. An online version of the guide is available by visiting the town website at yucca-valley.org. Be sure and check out the newest High Desert Nature Museum offering, Attack of the Bloodsuckers, a youth interactive exhibit about the science behind what's biting you. Examine the what, the why, the when, and the how of mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, leeches, and other parasites. Feel for heat. Bloodsuckers need a hot meal. Locate CO2 in your breath that attracts mosquitoes. Find a vein in an arm and match suckers by their mouthparts. Play the itchy twitcher game. Learn why bloodsuckers are important to the ecosystem and how to keep them out of your system. Attack of the Bloodsuckers will be on display at the museum through Saturday, September 3rd. Visit the High Desert Nature Museum for some creepy good fun this summer. We move right into our seven-minute chat segment, although thus far in this brief history of this podcast, we have not yet been able to keep within a seven-minute time frame. But no one complains since we have had such interesting guests with unique perspectives about life in Yakka Valley. Today we have another fascinating story, fascinating guest, Mr. Jerry Noonan. Jerry grew up in the Morongo Basin, has made his living in and out of the area, and seems to be one of those people who has a different view about the past, present, and future of our town. Jerry Noonan, welcome to the Plug In Podcast. Thank you, Mayor. I really appreciate being here. You know, we've only just met recently after your appointment to the Yucca Valley Planning Commission, but I remember you telling me that you spent your early years as like the only kid in Pioneer Town. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, it's funny that it's we haven't met before because like I know a lot of your family as we were able to talk about, and it was bad. I feel like I'm like the Kevin Bacon here in the, you know, I have some kind of connection to everybody. But uh, starting in Pioneer Town, my mother, who was uh, Miss Michigan, 1949, had run into Roy Rogers years ago on one of her as a sister Kenny, some kind of charitable foundation that she was working with. And uh, Roy was with his horse Trigger and proceeded to tell her all about Pioneer Town and this place just north of Yucca Valley and and that he's filming stuff there. And there's like this whole little kind of movie community. And I have a cousin that is one of the original members of the Sons of the Pioneer, which was Roy Rogers' band. His name is Rusty Richards. So naturally, she was, you know, she was on the East Coast made her way from New York. She went to Juilliard to Los Angeles to Palm Springs. And then like everybody that makes that kind of similar trek, when it got hot there, she moved up here. And when the Red Dog came available, she she bought it. So in the 70s, 
She was a female, you know, bar owner, and it was kind of cool. So and this is your mom. This is my mom. Red Dog Saloon. Yeah, Peggy okay. Ellsworth uh, was her name. And then her husband was Jerry. Uh, he was my stepdad, but he raised me, and uh, he was he was actually Big Jerry. So up there, I'm known as Little Jerry, and uh, it's kind of stuck over the years. However, if you were ever to have met Big Jerry, he's a famous lawman, former chief of police of Imperial, and a federal a federal agent. So he really was like larger than life. So I'm okay being Little Jerry to him being Big Jerry. So you uh, grew up. Or how many years did you spend growing up in Pioneer Town? And you said you're the o- you were the only kid there. So tell us about what that's like. The only kid that survived that we know of for sure. But <laughs> yeah. So it was it was three years like consistently, and then when we left there, we actually uh, we took over what used to be uh, where Black Rock Canyon is. Used to be called Jellystone Park. I remember that. So my stepdad, who was a lawman, who was he became like the campground marshal there, and he dressed in the ranger. It was a ranger, and I dressed as Boo Boo Bear, and we do movies on Sunday. So we left Pioneer Town for for uh, what was Jellystone Park, which is now Black Rock Canyon. But I was there in Pioneer Town for three years growing up. No kids my age. Only when they'd visit like their grandparents or some family member, they came in. It was really a kind of a grown up Western town. There was still movie stuff going on. And so uh, it was lonely as a kid. I grew up with a bunch of adults, basically. And you told me about your part-time job uh, looking under the bar for uh, spare change that fell through. Yes. Well, so um, as my, like I say, my mom owned the Red Dog. So if you go into the Red Dog, and my name is carved into the bar in a couple places as Gerard, which I hated that name as a kid. And then also little Jerry's in there somewhere near Pappy's. But I would crawl underneath the floor, the boards when you go up the stairs and the way it was is that there's all these big cracks and I made sure there were bigger cracks so that when people drop their change, it'd go through and I'd probably get like five to 10 bucks in coins like every week. Very entrepreneurial <laughs> of you. Okay. And you, uh, you've been all over this basin and it sounds like uh, you were connected to the Joshua Tree Retreat Center and some of the development there. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, in the seventies, uh, uh, my mother one of her, she had, there's a room up at the Red Dog, and she'd always been into East meets, meets West uh, spiritual philosophy. And she was a yoga practitioner back in the day before they even had like yoga pants. So they, it was really, really new and kind of out there kind of thing. But uh, she had little classes uh, going on at the Red Dog, if you can imagine that, during the day. And her classes got big. She moved them over to the, the Josh Tree Retreat Center, which was the Institute of Mental Physics. And, uh, and she'd always have some part of that place there, either teaching yoga. Later in the years after she sold the bar, we'd go there. She she would go there for AA meetings because she was heavily involved in the program and was on the speaking tour. And so I'd always be at that property. One day when I was driving back from Joshua Tree, I felt drawn to there and I went in there and, um, you know, volunteered for a couple of years and I got on their board. And, you know, we're just always trying to do really, really cool things there. Uh, and and help, you know, kind of promote that place and the intention that it was, where it was a place that was built where masters of all philosophies could teach people. So you had these apartments there, you had big lecture halls, you had, um, and you had like kind of uh, uh, dorms that were there. And some of the greatest minds were there. I mean, Albert Einstein was there at one time. There were so many different philosophers of the day and spiritual leaders and scientists and business leaders. So many people have gone through there. So it was kind of a really, it's really cool place to be. And and the architecture there, there's rumors that uh, a lot of that is Frank Lloyd Wright architecture. Do you have any background on that? Yeah. So Frank Lloyd Wright, Mr. God of Organic Architecture himself, he he was originally commissioned by John Dingle, who became Ding LeMay, to build several of the buildings there. 
Him, like often happened, him and Ding LeMay kind of had a falling out, but Lloyd Wright Jr. finished the project. And, and Lloyd Wright did like the, the, the clock tower in Palm Springs, did a lot of buildings in and around the area. And he had befriended a guy named Frank Garsky. Frank Garsky was a world famous archer from World War, World War II archer. He was famous for hiking to the top of the Great Pyramid of Giza and shooting a quiver from the bottom. Just an amazing person. He was a local resident here in Yucca Valley. But he also owned all that property up behind the retreat center and all of the orange rock you see in and around the architecture, that all came from that quarry that was his quarry. So um, he would personally quarry the stone. He'd carry it by hand. I mean, he was like this strapping kind of just unbelievable guy that like, you know, he could have, you know, loaded onto a truck and moved it, but he would carry these boulders. And some of the boulders used in the architecture there are extraordinary. And uh, that building there looks a lot like Taliesin West, which is a Frank Lloyd Wright Museum in Scottsdale. So you can see the similarities of the organic architecture. Frank wanted to be like a basically an apprentice to Frank Lloyd Wright. And Frank Lloyd Wright was kind of difficult man <laughs> in those days. And he told Garsky, he said, you know, why don't you just stick to working in the quarry? But not to be, uh, I guess, let down or, or, or uh, dissuaded from, from doing what he wanted to do. He became friends with Lloyd Wright. And later he built a couple of houses in and around Yucca Valley. And he built the Rock Chapel at the church there at Desert Christ Park. The former E-Free Church, now Living Hope Church. Right? I think it is, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's right there where Desert Christ Park is, and I'm not sure like how, how it's split up on the property, but Desert Christ Park was this place when I was a kid. I'd go there all the time. Like I mean, I'd hike around there. I'd climb around on the statues and everything. And and that little church, like I mean, I, we'd actually have church in there. So that was cool. I know a bunch of people got married in there, but they don't even know the story of it. And it says Frank Garsky on it. But when Lloyd Wright, the son, saw that church... And, and him and Frank, like I said, they became friends. He said, this church captures the essence of my father's work, which is the organic Oh my gosh, what a compliment. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it kind of vindicated him. Made him and he, built, like, he built a house over by the airport called the Diamond House. He built the one that uh, Donovan lived in, the Stone Temple, a couple other places. And then he went off to Italy and he became a master sculptor. And he is allowed to draw marble from the same quarry as Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. This and is Frank Garsky you're talking about? This is Frank Garsky, the okay. guy who built that little rock chapel was a master. And somewhere there's an article called Garsky the Master. And uh, and his art, you know, he's got an art collection and he had a house up Pioneer Town that burned down, but he had hand-carved wood doors and all kinds of amazing stuff. But I mean, he was a true master. And if you go to one of his houses, which I had, I was lucky enough to go to, someone bought it. I can't remember what they're doing with it, but I literally go to the outside and there's all this Italian marble I just laying out. They didn't even know. I go, that marble is from the same quarry as the statue of David, just oh so you gosh. know. <laughs> yeah, so... Fascinating story. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And good history. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, as I understand it, you've, you've got a lot of connections in the uh, restaurant industry. You've worked in that industry for a long time. Tell us about what you've done up here and maybe elsewhere. Sure. But, and what you do now. Well, I have a company called Focus One Hospitality. And through that company, uh, you know, I was a former uh, chief operating officer for the Fisherman's Marketing Grill chain in the lower desert. I've done works and projects with Anthony Bourdain, Robert Irvine, Rachel Ray down, down there. We built Shanghai Reds and all the Fisherman's Markets. We did the Fisherman's Landing at the JW Marriott. So all my big projects were down there. Uh, but growing up in the restaurant business, without anything else to really that I really knew, I, mean, I literally grew up sleeping on the booths and stuff at the Red Dog and, and then very comfortable in the restaurant industry. So up here, I worked, uh, there's a little There's a little bakery called the Luna Bakery that just opened up. Ian is the owner and he's just an amazing baker, really passionate. I helped him get that place open. 
him, I just, you know, I, I do every, a lot of things I do mostly pro bono now because like, I just want people to open up and, and bring amazing things to, to our, our town. So well, we stop in there from time to time and, and I've never had anything bad there. It's, it's really a good, good yeah. addition to the town. Yeah, it is. He's, and he's a good person. I, I literally just, one thing like that I do is I, like over the years, I found that if I have any kind of superpower, it's connecting really talented people. Not necessarily I'm the one doing anything, but but getting people in place. And he's one of those really talented people that was happy to to help out. And uh, I'm even looking to go take a couple baking classes from him for my endeavor out in Joshua Tree. So so we look forward to working with him for a while. Okay, so you have a new a new venture happening in Joshua Tree. Yeah, I'm building a little restaurant. Uh, it's called Sky High Pie. It's in Joshua Tree. It's uh, right in the heart of downtown. Uh, it's about a, it's a, you know, about 1100 square foot pizza restaurant, Italian style. I went to culinary school in, in Tuscany, Italy, which I didn't have any opportunity to mention, but that's a little side note. I, I uh, was there for six months and learned out a, a authentic Italian cuisine. So that's what that'll be. Well, that'll be a hit with the tourists. And speaking of tourists, we have uh, seen some changes in Yucca Valley and Joshua Tree over the years and now having grown up here. Uh, what's your perspective of changes uh, that are taking place in Yucca Valley? We were a pretty comfortable retirement community, it seemed like, for a long time. And now that seems to have changed with the influx of tourism. So what's your take on that? Well, you know, change is inevitable, I'm always told. And it seems to be, um, it happens, whether you like it or not. We're a lot busier now than when I was a kid, as far as I remember. I remember as a kid, nobody knew if I told them where I lived. There, I spent time, I lived in the Caribbean, like nobody knew what Yucca Valley was. And I, you know, I'd say, oh, it's by Palm Springs. And they'd go, Florida. I'm like, no, no, uh, California. Oh, Sunny Bono. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so that's how I described where I lived. Now I say Joshua Tree, you know, Yucca Valley. Now they know all of a sudden where I live. So that's a big change because it was never really, it was never really like, something cool to be from here as a kid growing up. But now all of a sudden it's like, it's really, really cool. And I have to say, I'm really enjoying that perspective of it because uh, I've always believed in the area and I've always loved that I'm from here. And this is the first time in my lifetime, it's been something that I'm really proud to say in a conversation. So that's kind of cool. Well, know? good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we have we have uh, come of age, I think, in, in terms of uh, getting known around. We seem to be on everybody's bucket list who visit here yeah. if they haven't already. And the people that come here seem to want to come back. So, And we've got a lot of uh, new businesses starting up, some uh, younger people coming in and putting together the funds and starting some businesses. So that's kind of different. I, I do, yeah, you're right. And, and I have to tell you, it's it's really hopeful. You know, I, I remember as a kid growing up and like, well, what am I going to do? What am I like? I always had all these ideas of all these things I was going to do and business wise. And, but like right now I see like, like with Ian and some of the other younger folks that are coming into town and they're starting businesses. And I'm like, wow, man, there really is opportunity that was never here before. And, uh, and like really create a lot, a lot of real creative people are coming here and they're finding ways to make this home and make this, you know, really enhance the community and they're going for it. A really, really new entrepreneurial spirit that I see here that I, I, I've never, I don't ever really remember experiencing it in all the time that I've been here. So it's really a positive, cool thing. You know, when it comes to change, like I'll be, oh, it's so crowded and it's so the traffic and this, that. And I've always said this, um, you're not going to stop the flow. I mean, all you can do is to try to, it's like controlled chaos in that you can try to benefit from it and try to make people aware and conscious of the environment and the things that are here that draw everybody here that, 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 so that we can preserve it so people can enjoy it. But there's a balance. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's like when they shut down the park and it didn't stop people from coming. In fact, they came and they just ran over everybody. Right. And I go, so the important thing is, is they're coming, be ready and learn how we as a community can benefit 
from that and, and, and maybe educate a couple people along the way as to how precious the area is and how to preserve it for the future. Great. That uh, that leads me into my next question, which was uh, your role. I, I mentioned that you were recently appointed to the Planning Commission just a few months ago. And why does that interest you to be on the Planning Commission? And what how do you how does your experience fold into your vision for the future of Yucca Valley? You know, I sit on a couple boards here on the Tourism Agency Board and some other and the Josh Street Gateway Community Board. And I've always I felt like this is a time where I need to to give back and try to be, you know, and, and have you know some kind of civic duty up here. Since I'm trying to do business up here, I want to give back to the community. I want to, and I want to answer to the needs of the community. So that kind of led me to apply for the position. And then a couple other people that were local, I went to school with here, uh, uh, Ruita, she, she owns a medical center and a bunch of stuff here. And she really encouraged me to be on the commission. I'm like, wow, you know, and, and so I went for it. And to be honest with you, when I originally filled out the application, um, I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure what was involved with the position. Uh, so I started researching it. And then I went through three interviews. And I'm like, wow, this is this is really a formidable process. Like, you have to really be ready. And, and they were extensive. And even to the very end, I wasn't 100% sure. But after each interview and each encounter with our city manager and, and the folks doing it and you yourself and everybody, I, I'm, I was taking the position far more serious in what I could do to really benefit it. And, and a lot of it had to do with getting people like you're doing with this podcast to, 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 um, to interact and getting the message out there and letting people know that we want to hear what they have to say and uh, that we love this community and we want to do what's right for the people. In business, it's easy. My motto is you give the people what they want and they'll give you what you want. And I, I think that perhaps maybe administering or being on the city is it, it, kind of similar. But you have to know what the people want and they have to know what they want. And so there really needs to be a consistent message back and forth so that we can do the right things. And I'm happy to be a part of that and to work on trying to, you know, on that outreach and be a part of that endeavor. I really feel after working with you and the council and the folks that are here, just an amazing group of people. And I'm so impressed. So I've never been that impressed, honestly, with city administrators and folks that, you know, that do what you do and do what, uh, you know, Councilman Abel does and even our city manager as much as I am with this group of people. And I've worked with a lot of them in Palm Springs and the other areas. So, so I'm happy to be a part of this team. And I really think that the future is so bright. And for young entrepreneurs to help them expedite their dreams as far as being business owners, you know, and, and have a little bit of a financial independence uh, and bring some of that creativity to the business community as well as the residential community. I'm happy to be a part of that. Well, we are happy to have you as part of the team with your background, <laughs> your experience, and your vision. Thank you. Uh, Sorry for the long-winded, you know, no, you know what? We are going to run out of time, but uh, I do want to touch base on a couple of things before sure. we go. And one would be Old Town. I think uh, I've noticed in Old Town, and I really have an appreciation for the, uh, I call it the organic growth of Old Town. It's not a real well-defined area, but it's getting there. And that's not happening because anybody at the town government, local government, has made that happen. It's it's people that have come in and had a vision and piece by piece, there's uh, some really cool stuff happening in Old Town. And the other thing I wanted to get your take on, if I could do this in, in one fell swoop, is the art community, embracing the art community that we have here and the plethora of uh, artistic talent that we just seem to get in this area, Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree and elsewhere, uh, embracing them. So if you have any thoughts on that, I'd really appreciate hearing that. Sure. I mean, it's no accident that we attract these very creative 
folks. I mean, we have been, like I say, with the story of the retreat center and going back to the 40s and Frank Lloyd Wright and all of this, they've been coming for a long time. There's something here. Uh, and I don't know if I could put my finger on or if I, I, w- I should even try, but there is an art community here like no other place. You know, at one time I was heard them saying there's over 40 music studios up here. I know this, that of all the places that I've been to and I've traveled extensively, the music scene up here is so uniquely up here. It's, 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 it's not, you know, it's um, new music. It's, you know, it's not like uh, uh, cover bands and stuff like that. And it's everywhere. So that's amazing here, you know, and then, so that's part of the art community. Uh, Old Town, I think is, it's like, you just, you, you know, they have such an energy there and, and I wouldn't even want to say no or try to contain it as much as I like to see what they're doing. Obviously things have to be within reason, but that little area of, I mean, every town has an old town, but I, to be honest with you, I, I rather like ours. <laughs> I really do. And that we have a defined old town, I think it's really meaningful. And I just, I just can't wait to see what they do. Forward. It is dis- defining itself. It seems like, I mean, there's no, there's no boundaries on it, but it is defining itself as it goes. And that's exciting to see. I, yeah. I like that as well. Yep. Okay, Jerry, thank you for uh, joining us today. We are going to run out of time here, but uh, any final thoughts before we go? Anything else that you, uh, that comes to mind? No, I, I think we covered a, a lot. I mean, we could go, you and I, we could go on forever we about, could. I know about all the people that we know and what have you, but it's an exciting time here in the town. I'm really just amazed and I'm blessed that I'm in this position on the planning commission. I'm able to see firsthand the work and the effort that's made by by the staff and by our local community to keep on going and keep it better. And uh, really, is, is very. I'm very optimistic about this our little neck of paradise here. So, Well, it's great chatting with you. (laughs) We've been chatting with Jerry Noonan, longtime Morongo Basin resident, entrepreneur, and current member of the Yucca Valley Planning Commission. Thanks so much, Jerry, for taking the time to join us on Yucca Valley Plugged In. Thank you, Mayor. It's time for our shout out. And it's June and school is coming to a close. We just want to applaud all of the students, their teachers, and their administrators for putting it back together after a couple of years of lockdown. We know that this has to be a huge adjustment for all concerned. And we want to say thank you for doing what you do, for hanging in there and sticking it out this year. And to all the graduates in Yucca Valley and the Morongo Basin, we just want to say good luck, congratulations, and best wishes for your future. And before we wrap up, let's take a look at our mailbag. The mailbag segment takes a look at questions that have been sent to the podcast or to town hall. If you want to send in your questions, just email it to me at jschooler at yucca-valley.org. You can find my email address in the podcast description as well. Okay, today's question. I walked out into my yard this morning and I saw a snake curled up and didn't know what to do. What's the best course of action? Well, with the warming months upon us, it's that time of year again when we all need to be mindful of where we live, work, and do our outdoor activities. It's beginning to be snake season, and animal control has already responded to a few calls. Snakes have, in fact, been coming out of their winter slumber. Generally, snakes should be left alone and will usually go away, never to be seen again. However, the public is advised to contact animal control should they find a snake on their property in cases where the residents feel threatened. Contact Town Animal Control at Animal Control Offices, 760-365-1807. Yucca Valley Plugged In is a podcast produced and presented by the Town of Yucca Valley. Your feedback, questions, or suggestions regarding future episodes can be emailed to comrelations at yucca-valley.org. For more information about the town of Yucca Valley, be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website 
www.yucca-valley.org. 